Hey y'all, welcome back to another week of Imani Talks Astrology. It's Imani. Happy Eclipse, happy Capricorn season. This episode is really just kind of a reflection of a a culminating point that we're reaching um, as we embark on a new journey. As you can see through the title, um, it it has its connection to the hero's journey. Um, this was a fun episode, even though it may not be evident in my tone, um, to kind of get in and understand and, and whatever. Um, the eclipse is, it's intense and, you know, I'm working through it, you're working through it, we're working through it. Um, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, yeah, boy, boy. but yeah, let's dive in to this week's episode. All right, I'm back. This had the worst, like, woke up in the middle of the night um, to like finish my notes because I woke up and messages just came through in a way that um, that I didn't know were needed So I'm going to tell you what I saw. So when I woke up last night, what I saw in my mind's eye was the body of my father in his Christmas pajamas. But his face was John Lennon really long hair and now I know you're probably like that sounds crazy I'm like yes that does sound crazy um, because lots of times clairvoyant messages are very nonsensical and it's your job to make fun of make fun of them <laughs> Freudian slip um, make sense of them which we'll come back to at the end of the episode in a way that will probably just blow your mind. I want to talk about an aspect of the hero's journey. Um, It's something that we've kind of touched on. Um, We've taken the fool's journey um, through this year since Gemini season I believe that's when I published the Fool's Journey episode, which was on the full with the full moon in Sagittarius. And it I can imagine life has been this epic that you've went on where you've, you know, made a lot of mistakes and, and been foolish, um, per se. Um and now it's as if with twenty twenty literally five days away suddenly being asked to take a very different adventure 
and realizing that the adventure that we've been prepping for was more about ending a book um, that had gone on way too long um, and being able to start a new one that is a lot more authentic to the direction that it is that we need to go into. And the chart beautifully illustrates and um, puts in perspective that um, the culmination of this moment. Um, During a solar eclipse Ooh, wow. Ring of fire. If you Google the pictures, it is fantastic. Um, But a, a solar eclipse is when the moon passes in front of the sun. And it allows the earth to be covered in the shadow of the moon. There are lots of the secrets that the the moon holds um, that we only get to experience while we are asleep. Um, Because most of us experience the moon at night, right? (laughs) Um, The moon in the tarot is representative of secrets and it also is representative of a, a path that beckons and and calls us, you know, um, it's about, you know, illumination, um, the unconscious, um, and for light to temporarily be taken away, um, so that for a, a moment, We can reflect on the shadow. And in a way, it's like that's what 2019 has really been about, right? 2020 is going to be a very difficult year for everyone who's still fighting battles that should have been given up a really long time ago. So what is it that I'm talking about? In the hero's journey, there is a moment in which the hero reaches the threshold. And the threshold is an initiation into the adventure that is the hero's journey. It is a place where hell and heaven meet. Now, why do I say that? It's kind of like 
to continue to use the Harry Potter reference that we had in the last episode when Hagrid tells Harry that he is a wizard. Now, Harry lives in destitute conditions where he's treated like crap, but the possibility of being magical, of being able to wield a power that will ultimately change the trajectory of his life. I mean, you've seen the entire Harry Potter series. You see how it ends. All of that was catalyzed in the moment in which he learned that he was magical. But it also could have been an experience that he didn't have the opportunity to consciously experience if he had chosen to remain in hell because of his fear of what he perceived might possibly be hell, which was truly heaven. And I don't think that that was understood until the very end, until all of it was over, right? At the threshold gate is the keeper of the threshold, and the keeper of the threshold is the mentor that allows the space for or the invitation to the hero's journey to start. And of course, we see that role played by a number of different people at different stages of the movie book series, right? In this instance, the hero mentor, um, your mentor, has always been you. Whoa, crazy. Oh my gosh. And and we'll kind of get into that. Right? Um, the thing about this eclipse is that there's so much potential energy and focus that is built up in the Capricorn part of the sky in a way that's kind of overwhelming. We have to remember that the South Node is in Capricorn, right? And that the North Node is in Cancer. So this chart of the sky is, it could not be any more perfect. The ascendant is Libra. Um, and as we know, when Libra is on the ascendant, it inverts all of the signs that are on the houses. Typically, we associate the first house with Aries, and with the Libra on the first house, Aries becomes the seventh house. Taurus is typically in the second. With Libra on the ascendant, uh, Scorpio is there, right? Um, and so there is this flipping um, because there is this realization that in order to go backwards, I'm sorry, in order to go forward, we kind of had to go backwards to get ourselves there. I was talking to Elmina 
of Malima Alchemy. Amazing, amazing, amazing astrologer, um, intuitive, medium, healer. You should follow her. Like, you just should. There's so much that she blesses us with. She's a Libra. With a Libra rising. Um, it was talking about having, being a Libra means having an inverse chart, whatever. And we had talked about this um, back in September, right before I went on my trip. Um, and, you know, she was giving the example of like having Aries on the seventh house. Like, you know, to have a good relationship with a partner, you have to have a great relationship with yourself, right? You have to bring your own sense of identity to a relationship for it to work. And I thought about this um, passively um, for the last, what has now been three, almost four months. And it clicked yesterday in a way that just fascinated me. And we're going to go house by house. Sometimes... We have to see how we are mirrored by others to understand ourselves better. And sometimes our relationships with other people have us understand who we are a bit more and see ourselves a bit more clearly. For the second house, what we need to let go of lots of times shows us what's worth holding on to. With the third house, when we allow our beliefs to be a foundation for what we learn so we can discern the validity of what we are taught and if what we've been taught is harmful. For the fourth house, family has to be centered around accountability and a responsibility to one another to examine instructions in order to nourish each other effectively. For the fifth house, being a part of a community allows us to determine the role we individually make to show up in that community and find our own unique voice in the people and places that matter to us. The sixth house, to understand our bodies, we must acknowledge that the spiritual realms impact our physicality and day-to-day life. The seventh house, as I had said at the beginning, we have to know how to stand on our own to be a great partner. Our relationship with ourselves determines how we are able to be in relationship with other people, but also how we are able to contribute and give ourselves to the wider world. The eighth house, an awareness of what we hold on to, allows the keys to what will set us free. With the ninth house, we realize that what we learn is an opportunity to expand our minds and that knowledge serves as a doorway and a foundation for wisdom. With the 10th house, we have a choice to nourish the world and not to define success independently or at the expense of others. With the 11th house, it is important to hold your own in a group so that you are not absorbed by others in groupthink 
and that you can remain yourself um, in the face of community. In the 12th house, in your body and in your physicality, there are relics of the past and a consciousness that is beyond you. Your DNA itself holds spiritual keys. Your body systems hold spiritual keys. All of these things are likely things that I can imagine most of you listening um, have probably had a relationship with um, over this recent ascension process, right? Having that awareness and having taken that adventure before is what will allow you to take on the world. It is an assessment of what lies between us and the next adventure that is literally days away. And who we are right now and our awareness of our weak spots and our armor, which is ultimately what that way of framing our life is has done for us, um, as well as seeing the skill level that we have, is what will allow us to make it. And while we may have fallen short of what we need for ourselves and what the world needs from us, we now are given the choice to choose differently. You may have found that over the last couple of days you feel like you fell back or regressed in some sort of way um, into things that you thought that you've outgrown um, and or having an awareness of where you hold on to your old life or honestly where the old life also has a hold on you. And it's a pretty big hold, right? The future is a bright one, but it is a solitary one, right? Because the hero's journey is taken alone. And so a lot has to be left behind. And so this awareness and what has been this total eclipse of the heart, because the sun is representative of, of the heart, right? It asks us, what do we need to take a walk through life? What do we need to do to be a better partner? What do we need to get that which we dream of? What do we need to see the world just look really, 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 really different than it does right now? And one thing that um, Eric of Divine Conversations has, has said is, is that all is in greater service of love. And that's a message that came through a lot in his tarot. And it, that can be really difficult to wrap your head around um, when the world that we live in is really kind of trash. And a lot of the things that we've experienced ourselves has been really trash too, right? It's like, how could you say that? Um, but it's also kind of like, how could you not say that? The thing about 
It is going to take forever in a day to record this. <clears throat> anyway, so to get back into the chart, so the Libra ascendant, so being able to perceive the world through that flipped point of view um, and perceive arriving at this moment through that flipped point of view, the North Node in the 10th house in Cancer um, and all of that fun eclipse energy happening in the third house all kind of centering around the um, the IC which is in Capricorn which is where the south node is um, the north node sitting right on the midheaven um, and again going back to that place where we can see it's it's where heaven and hell meet and which one you fall into or go into is is truly dependent on yourself all of the so we have mercury the sun moon and jupiter all in the third house okay and the How do I want to say this? The uh, third house, as it's kind of come up in, in the way that I've talked to people, is related to, you know, what how you're socialized. It's related to your environment, your, you know, school, all of that stuff. Kind of the, the things that teach you how to human right like you're like oh I know how to human I human this way this way and then it's like wait when we introduce other people um, beyond your you know immediate family into the fold this is actually what life is kind of like right Um, it's the place where our beliefs um, start to intersect with other people's beliefs But more importantly, one thing to note about the third house is that it is about the host, hostess, and those who are being hosted, right? So the host and the slash hostess is the person who's setting the ground rules, the rules of engagement. This is also a house that rules roommates. And you think about in a classroom, the teacher is hosting you and you are under their rules, their um, establishment, their thoughts, their ideas, all of what you are supposed to be learning, right? And of course, there is a higher um, authority that grounds or creates the beliefs that tells you what it is that you should and should not learn. So the indoctrination that we naturally face Um, in the world is mimicked in um, this area of the chart where we have a stelium in which our ideas, we're going to take it planet by planet, our ideas, our attitudes and thoughts, right, being created and formed in a place that is foreign to us, Mercury and Sagittarius. Mercury and Sagittarius is in um, detriment, so it's in exile, it's in an uncomfortable environment. Um, so all of these beliefs 
um, and very subjective things are informing our attitudes, beliefs, um, ideas, the way we, our mind, the way we think about ourselves, the way that we think about other people. And all of that is impacting the way that we feel about ourselves and how we show up in the world and what it means to be whole and what it means to be whole both emotionally and in the expression of what's going on for us inside is really centered around this very capitalistic, structural, play by the rules. I have to, you know, I these are the rules and and this is the conditioning that I exist in and all of that is magnified by Jupiter which is also conjunct the sun and the moon so what I was saying earlier about being able to realize or see where the old life or the traditions that are a part of our being still exist they're very out there and they're very obvious and it may kind of catch you off guard because again it's lots of things that you thought that you've outgrown but of course it's the holidays so of course the moment that you get around family and you have to go into survival mode you know it triggers this kind of regressed infantilized version of yourself that isn't the same as the person that you've been working on being and becoming um, during this time and that can be really difficult right because we like to think we know like I've came very far I've done a lot of work and it can kind of feel like you're being set back and it understandably so it makes you question am I ready to cross the threshold like am I truly ready you know and the the old program says you know this can happen in your life this can happen blah 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 fourth house we have Saturn and Pluto playing this saw this game where they're almost touching almost kissing (laughs) like they will in the next couple of weeks and it's really centered around knowing that I'm gonna speak to so like I the way that I've been talking about the fourth house is what you're rooted in and where things come from Alice Sparkly Cat had posted this has been posting these really amazing graphics where they've been talking about the houses um, where they've been going house by house by house to kind of explain what they mean and how they describe the fourth and the tenth house is destiny versus choice when we think about the Saturn Pluto conjunction that's approaching and how deeply intense it is in terms of being this really big turning point or this really big purging of these really intense themes in our society. It's war, structural war. It's war that keeps the machine going. It's a war that keeps ideologies and, and, you know, beliefs and structures in place that oppress people, right? And going back to what I was saying, now I take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, as I'm pretty sure that you usually do anyway, but like this is a moment that could not be avoided. And I feel like collectively we've been trying to avoid, again, collectively beyond the individual work that you do, um, we've been trying to avoid this 
harsh reality that the world that we live in is not very well. The way that we've been existing is not healthy at all. It's disempowering, it's harmful, it sucks you dry in the not fun way. (laughs) And realizing that that is, you know, where we are right now. And we look around, we see who's in office, we see what's happening. We all have collectively brought this moment upon ourselves for our inability to address really deep societal issues and to, in a way, kind of mask and cover up things that harm us, you know, without going through that process of examining life in the inverse. This is why Libras are very valuable because they do, unlike Aries, and I am an Aries, while the Aries looks at everything from me, 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 I, 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 which is of course very important. When we take that perspective on life, it's really easy to navigate life without thinking twice about anyone or anything else and how the things that we do impact and affect the people around us. But when we take a more balanced approach, and of course the thing with Libras is is people-pleasing, but at its highest function, it's an ability to see what's fair about circumstances. And to be quite honest, the Libra archetype is exists so that we all know and can remind ourselves that like it's not always about you and more than it being about you it's lots of times about somebody else right and so as we come into this awareness of that you know what comes from that place is also a knowing that this moment and the structure uh and fear that exists in our world is destined right? Because there's this quote um, that I have in the oh in some a project that I'm working on he. <laughs> found it. It's G freaking ads. G Michael Hopf from Those Remain. Those Who Remain. You have likely heard this before. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. What do I mean by weak? Because there's a way that that word is conceptualized and and thought of and ex, you know that we think of. There's also another way to look at it as well. Um, when we move through life, hmm, the thing about the warrior archetype. Here I am. 
You've been waiting for a sign, time for me to go in on my own sign. And honestly, this will connect really perfectly. The thing about the warrior is that the warrior fights alone. And the warrior convinces themselves that the world has to be reflective of everything that they are in order for it to make sense. And the thing about the warrior is that the fate is usually, well, it's always death, but it's a matter of will you be killed or will you die? But either way, you will be forgotten, right? And so we've been taught that like life is like a fight and we're constantly fighting for our own place, right? And And it's this space in which fear fear of death, fear of being overtaken, fear of whatever it may be, is what is our drive and motivation to to fight and to make it through, right? But when we think about fighting in and and war in terms of self-preservation, but we don't think about the necessity of continued faith, right? The thing about um, faith is that we as a culture, as a world for the moment, let's just talk about in, in perspective of the United States, you know, faith is really centered around mm, like in the way that people have been programmed around with uh, Christianity, faith and calling upon God is in a space of hardship rather than a constant place of being. And what that shows is that during the time, and this is just my own opinion, in the time in which things are good, and I say good with quotation marks around it, when it seems as though life is normal, there is a laziness and a complacency that we garner because we don't think that it would be possible for anything to be different. You know, we're not driven to to do anything to change or move the world because it's fine. Ooh, 11-11. And that complacency is what allows our world to kind of slowly morph and change before our eyes and for us not to be able to catch it until it's too late. Even when there have been people that have been screaming and crying that something is wrong. And we're like, no, it's good. Things are good. The economy is good. You have a roof over your head. You can go to school. You can this, the American dream, blah, 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 you know? And there are people who are like, no, it that's not what it is. And it's like, yeah, it is what it is, you know? Then when shit hits the fan, all of those people who have been stuck in, you know, as Carol Pearson would refer to it as the phase of the innocent, are these people kind of teeter-tottering um, back and forth between the innocent 
and the orphan. They perceive the plight of the orphan. We're familiar with this story where it's like somebody, something, someone has to save us. Again, that goes back to what I was saying about our ideas of faith, right? Um, and what usually pushes the innocent into the orphan is what is referred to as the fall. And the fall is the realization that what you perceived reality to be or there being some moment in which the reality that you have thought it was ultimately kind of shambles. And that's something that's built into our structure, right? The fall is built in and lots of people spend their time avoiding it And money of the most of the money of these people, oh my gosh, very interesting Freudian slip. Most of these people, you know, we assign phrases like homophobic, racist, misogynist, blah blah blah. These are people that their frame of understanding the world, the moment that they realize that that's not true, which is why they fight so hard against people who are telling them that it's not true, is that their whole idea of self, which is deeply connected to the structures and the systems that we are a part of, sun and moon and Capricorn, will completely fall apart. And no one will be able to put them, and their fear is that they will be, they will despair. Um, Carol Pearson brought up that the issue of the orphan is despair. The things that are happening in the collective consciousness right now, anybody who fucks with Amber Khan knows that she was talking about despair and despair being um, the inability to have faith in the creator. If you despair, then you don't believe that there is a higher power that is, you know, all seeing, all knowing you know, benevolent being that is working to to assist you and to guide you, right? And um, the the warrior, and I think in my own personal path, has run-ins with the orphan archetype when they fight really, really hard um, because of this fall and remembering the fall and trying to make it so that this fall does not have to happen again, that everybody can kind of transcend it, right? But that's not the way that this one works. We can't do it like that. Chiron is square, the moon and the sun. And Chiron is saying the fall has hurt us This wound that the identity feels and faces. I can't do that again. So I have to fight. But what the sun and the moon and Capricorn say. What all Capricorn planets say when they speak to an Aries planet is I understand your fight. But if you can't get it together, if you can't pick your battles, you won't be around or have enough energy 
for the ones that matter. You won't have the time and energy to really figure out what it is that you need to shift and change within yourself to then take on the world, right? And going back to the sun and moon and their ask for us to be accountable, hold ourselves accountable and be responsible in the way that we can for the way that the world is and for this intensity in this moment that has been destined and to release everything, all of the baggage related to destiny, if that makes sense. And the North Node in Cancer, the North Node in the 10th house, telling us, well, while there are lots of things that we have not been able to control and that we cannot change, what happens moving forward is, is about nourishment. We have a choice to nourish the world and not to define success independently or at the expense of others. Now, to go back to the <laughs> the the clairvoyant message that I received in the wee hours of the morning, it was like three. 23 when I saw this um to remind you my dad's body in his pajamas with John Lennon's face after I saw that what words appeared in my mind were Amanda Ellis and I've talked about Amanda before um on the podcast and she just is such a, a beautiful soul she's a cancer um who is a, I wouldn't say she is specifically apolitical. She kind of is for the sake of the work that she does. That doesn't bother me. Um, that may bother other people, but oh well. Um, she did a, a um, video where she channeled John Lennon. And I didn't want to watch it. Because, well, you know, he's not a perfect individual. I think we're all familiar with um, him saying that women are the the knicker of the world, even though there are black women and black people still are not treated the way, you know, anyway, again, a very imperfect individual, um, and that's kind of made me like, mm, I don't know if I want to um, listen to that. Um, and so while I was up in the middle of the freaking night, I decided to watch the video. And the title of the video is Peace Isn't a Dirty Word. Now, the the part that was really interesting was, again, my dad's body, John Lennon's head. Um, you know, my father is somebody that I admire, and yesterday had a heated family discussion. Um, and he said, you can't fight everyone into thinking 
the way that you do. And it was something that really kind of bothered me and and broke me because, again, the warrior sees that there can be good in the world and sees this one way of being able to do so. And the moment in which the warrior cannot convince people to align with way of being is the moment in which the other person becomes a villain. Um, and going back to the idea of picking your battles before you don't, you're not around to fight the ones that matter. Peace isn't a dirty word. And when we're talking about movements and we're talking about social justice, fighting is is usually the main language that we have, right? We're fighting the man, we're this, we're that. But what if our way of doing that was about being in greater service of love? Like Eric said, um, what if in a time where everything is basically falling apart and I can feel like you can hear the little footsteps walking up so annoying anyway you know what if we and not in some weird annoying hippie way we choose love um and choosing love doesn't mean that we just smile um in the face of everything to kind of think about the idea of everything being in greater service of love, thinking about the the hardships that you would experience and thinking about how many of those things built up or opened up your capacity to love, um, to find and and give love in the way that you've needed to this whole time, you know? There is a quote, the more your heart breaks, the more it can hold. So be brave, my sister, be bold. Yeah, it's that, right? Where the grooves in our heart just key, you know, every time the, there's a crack that's formed in the heart, it op- it opens a space to fill it with, with something else. Of course, with the idea that we have worked to mend and allow that space for those things to come in, right? I have, and I can imagine all of you have had some really intense shadow work over the last couple of years, you know, and the thing about the the Capricorn archetype at the fourth house is it tells us that what was destined was fear. Of course, fear is real in this construct. What was destined was limitation, right? But what we've had the choice to do is pour in water, you know, what seemed to be very solid and unbreakable and make it so that it's moldable into something else, right? So the North Node in the 10th house is telling us it's about choices, are you going to take the adventure or not? Yeah. It's exactly what um, 
again to talk about Amber Khan was talking about in love in a time of war it's this you know that was she hit it right on the head you know um where there is going to be a lot of really intense and wild things happening around us and we have to remember that we have to stay in our life in our light at the end of the day what's destined aside from hardship and limitations and fear is and traditions is accountability and responsibility and discipline and remembering that those three words have a lot to do with radical self-love and an intentionality and consistently choosing to love ourselves so that we have the opportunity to choose nourishment when we are giving to the world when we are choosing to pour into the world so this is a very big kind of final release point um, in which every last other little thing that's kind of just in it just needs to be let out it's just kind of being squeezed out of you you know I would encourage you if you feel called to to watch Amanda's Ellis's video on John Lennon it was quite fascinating there was a lot of things to take away that seem to resonate with with this um I'll say a quote that he she mentioned that he has said our society is run by insane people for insane objectives I think we're being run by maniacs for maniacal ends and I think I'm liable to be put away as insane for expressing that that's what's insane about it and that's what goes back to the idea of people who are avoiding the fall um, and trying to actively avoid the orphan um, archetype. Mind you, none of the or- the archetypes are bad in Carol Pearson's book, but they all have their growth stages and phases, just like zodiac signs, right? And this avoidance that's there is realizing that if you were to truly believe what people are telling you about how wild this shit is what does that mean about what you've known you know what does that what does that do to the way that you've you know experienced life does that mean that we aren't truly safe Yes, that's exactly what that means. And being in the stage of the innocent, society takes care of you. Everything's good. Everything's perfect. You know, you, when you, after the fall, you lose family, you can lose money, you can lose your life, you can lose a lot of things. No one wants to lose. But the thing is, this is a game that we're being forced to play that no one can win. It's like the Hunger Games, right? Even though Katniss wins, everyone had to die in order for her to win, right? And it's this constant cycle of escaping and running away from death and despair that's used to entertain the the higher powers or the people who are in charge and the you know it's really fucked up one other thing that I'll talk about in the chart is that there are oh, two things there is a 
square between Venus and Aquarius um, and Uranus and Taurus where we our value and this very specific idea and concept that we have of what our value means and what our role in the world is and the way that the world values us right and the way that the world is supposed to take care of us the way that the society is supposed to take care of us is shown to be false and it is a way in which an opportunity in which we have to discover for ourselves what it truly means to be liberated and 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 free on an individual sense so that we can move forward and allow other people the space to feel and experience liberation as well both of those signs are very stubborn right and so again a lot of the things that came up this weekend can feel like regression because at the end of the day there's a lot of stuff that has to be purged from your mind for you to really wrap your head around freeing yourself in the way that you need to be free. Um, so that's understandable and that makes sense. We also have a trine between the sun, the moon, Jupiter, and Uranus. And again, it's being able to see the vision and feel the vision very personally in terms of this idea of liberation for of self it's this moment in which it's like wow like i can be free but it's like thinking about all of the values that you have venus that have served as an obstacle you know in in the way of that venus is also sitting in the fourth house so like the things that we've been told can change the world um, and realizing that they aren't, or maybe that it will take a lot longer than we thought it would for the world to change, right? It's all of that. Let me read these Chandra symbols, and then I'm going to be out. And I think one other thing to mention with the stelium in uh, Capricorn is that there is a concentrated effort within you and outside of you to control you and limit the amount of choices that you feel like you do have which is crazy Like I said, the old life and the new life and realizing how large a hold the old life has on you because the old life, you live in it. You know, it's family, it's work, it's it's all of those things. Capricorn, five degrees. It, please keep in mind that this book was written in 1920-something. Okay? Okay, cool. Indians on the warpath, while some men row a well-filled canoe, others in it perform a war dance. The mobilization of physical and emotional energies in a spirit of conquest. Ooh. War is often undertaken mainly to mobilize the common will and avoid individualistic disintegration. The Indian chief in the symbol 
of Capricorn one degree may find it convenient or necessary to arouse the war spirit, perhaps under a very slight provocation in order to more firmly establish his authority. You know, and this is really interesting given like when you think about the way that indigenous people, like the propaganda against indigenous people within U.S. history and how they're painted as this evil force that's like trying to, to kill the, the quaint and innocent people of the United States. And, you know, it's shows that there's this way that they and and the kind of the the laws structured around like um re-educating and assimilating you know native americans indigenous folks into the mainstream culture you know it's kind of like oh these people are indoctrinated so like let's take them out of their indoctrination by showing them the light right and so this archetype and this symbol kind of paints the picture as it the it uses indigenous people but when we remove that from the piece it shows that this archetype and this way of being is actually our system and it's been projected on other people for the sake of perpetuating what i've referred to as in a couple of different episodes as the american myth and mythology that allows us to um continue to exist in this world without questioning it the scene presents an extremely dynamic situation the group or the nation affirms its solidarity and unity of purpose to taking the offensive the group life demands constant activity and challenges in order to remain healthy this is the last symbol and again going back to the quote of hard times create Strong men, strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times, right? This is the last symbol of the 55th sequence. So it's about change and transformation. It suggests that aggressiveness may be a necessary ingredient in the activation of the potential of growth inherent in any social group. So again, going back to that quote, this moment and this choice that we have to do better for ourselves and for everyone would not have occurred unless something outside of us compelled us to do so. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we're human. And again, the fact that we live in that, that space of the innocent, right? Capricorn six degrees, which is where Jupiter is. 10 logs lie under an archway leading to darker woods. Keynote. The need to complete any undertaking before seeking entrance to whatever is to be found beyond. Number 10 is a symbol of completion. Ooh. It symbolizes even more the relevant of a new series of activities just ahead. Yet, unless the concluded series is brought to some degree of fulfillment, nothing truly significant is likely to be accomplished by a restless reaching out toward the as yet unknown. What did I say at the beginning when I was talking about the hero's journey? Number 10 is a symbol of germination, but the seed, ooh, the emergent strategy. <laughs> what emerges 
from the choices, from nurturing. Yes, this is falling together perfectly. But the seed must have matured well. No natural process can be accelerated safely beyond certain limits. This represents the first stage in the 56th five-fold sequence. It establishes a foundation for what will follow. Here man reaches a threshold in which he may have to pause in order to safeguard his further advance. I would like to read where the North Node is, which is at seven degrees or eight degrees Cancer. One more time. Oh, I need to read nine. Ah, yes. A small naked girl bends over upon trying to catch a fish. The first naive quest for knowledge and for an ever elusive understanding of life. The small naked girl symbolizes the innocent and spontaneous mind as yet unclothed in cultural patterns and unrestrained by don't, trying to satisfy its curiosity about what seems mysterious and fleeting. In a sense, the pond is the infant's mind, which is a very limited scope of consciousness, yet eagerly reaching out to catch the swift and elusive first realizations of the meaning of life. At this fourth stage, we are confronted with the necessity with a nascent curiosity about knowledge, a curiosity which makes the little mind reach out in spontaneity rather than merely imitate the elders. Again, that the, 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 the dichotomy of the fourth house being about destiny and the tenth house being about choices, right? Whenever a person is confronted with the symbol, he or she should realize that there is much value indeed in simply reaching out with a pure and unconditioned mind to the most elementary experiences with natural, which natural life offers to us. The key here is purity in understanding. What we need to know is that what we see around us is the direct response to the emergence of this way of navigating life in the collective. As we've talked about before, many people are awakening um, and the world as we know it is shifting. And of course, the easiest way for them, <laughs> the powers that were, as I said in the previous episode, to deter that, to deter understanding and moving through the world as if everything is in greater service of love to move in a place where we're choosing to love in a time of revolution or in a time of war is to consistently bombard us with things that make it seem damn near impossible for anything to change or to shift and we have to be able to stay in our light and stay in that purity one of the previous symbols is moonlight 
or speaks of moonlight. Two nature spirits dancing under the moonlight. And I, when I imagined this pond, I saw the moon illuminated onto this pond that this this child is is reaching into to to get catch this fish, right? And it's an awareness that the moon, as it eclipses the sun, has something to show us about what is real and, and, and what is possible, right? Because the thing about the South Node being in Capricorn and being that the moon is in Capricorn right now is that that moon in Capricorn is answering to that North Node. And so everything that's happening right now, I don't want people to feel like they're moving backwards, but it is hard because there's more to see and there's more to admit to ourselves about what we need to to face this this journey this adventure again we have to see where the weak spots are in our armor um so we know what to do the thing with achilles um is that chiron um knew has experienced being injured on his heel at his achilles heel and he used this knowledge to ensure that other people did not have to experience that the thing about achilles warrior archetype um and his mother again dipping him and did not dip his ankles and commitment to a fight that left him vulnerable and of course fighting will always leave you vulnerable but him being a great warrior and facing an untimely death that allowed him to be not to see his way to what victory and 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 what he ultimately could kind of achieve because of his inability to to cater to and treat his weakness um the way that he needed to during the time of battle he wasn't invincible you know he was dipped in whatever the fuck he was dipped in but he was not protected from everything um and what we know that we're not protected from, you know, we can admit that we are vulnerable to ourselves. We also have given ourselves the space to potentially do something about it in the face of danger, in the face of what goes on. But it also allows us to know that it's not something that can hold us back, right? You know, if you don't realize you're bleeding and you bleed out and you die, 1144, whoop you are like (laughs) it's one thing if you realize that you're bleeding you can stop the bleeding but if you're so invested in this fight and this battle that you're not taking care of yourself you know you're not doing anyone including yourself a service right so again remembering the relationship with self and the relationship with the body as you're navigating the battle okay that's all um thank you for listening this week i've decided i'm going to do readings all the way up until the 29th of january um in the month of february i'm going to take a hiatus and it may be longer than just the month of february i haven't decided yet i will let y'all know when we get there 
Um, I will not, there will not be a podcast episode on the week of, uh, pulling up my calendar, the week of the 29th, the week of the 5th, and I might be back the week of the 12th, meaning the 12th of February. So there will be a hiatus. I think the last episode that I'm going to publish will be about, um, I don't know, whatever we're talking about when we get there. Um, So yeah, if you're interested in booking, you can email me, DM me, it's fine. Um, Oh, I am doing a webinar on January 8th. It will be about Venus. Venus and being in right relationship with self um, and others. So if you are interested in exploring Venus in your chart, um, being able to understand how, you know, we can get in right relationship again with ourself and others, with money, with our value, with our values, despite what's happening in the world around us, being able to look at Venus from a perspective of like, hey, if we do this personal work, We open up space in the world to create more possibilities around beauty, create more possibilities around money, relationships, etc. So if you have any difficult Venus placements or you're just curious, there is a link in the description box, as well as my email address is also in the description box. And it's also on my Instagram, which you can follow me at. It's you, woman, you. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next week when we talk about 2020.